0: You're listening to The Sport Market, the stock market of sport. Here's your host, Tom Mayenect.
1: Another big hockey weekend in Canada, and certainly it's a big football In aggregate television audiences to Super Bowl weekend itself, two weeks down the road in Las Vegas. Of course, the NFL's Conference Championship Finals will very much be the focus on Sunday. On Saturday night, the Edmonton Oilers will be among the big talking points among Canadian fans, especially those living in Northern Alberta, because those Edmonton Oilers are winners of 15 consecutive games. They're up against the Nashville Predators with an opportunity to go to 16. They've already set the all-time Canadian mark of 12 games and they're on their way to the all-time NHL mark held by the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's of 17 consecutive games. No matter how you cut it, the Oilers are back and back in a big way. They're now in a divisional playoff position while the Toronto Maple Leafs have dropped out of the divisional playoff position into the, into the first wild card going into the weekend. Vancouver Canucks, continued to impress their 8-0-2 in their last 10 games. With all of that as the backdrop, we've got a lot of stuff to get to on the business side of sports. Of course, we're rating and debating the Bulls and Bears of sport business on the sport market here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We will be talking Steve McAllister of Canada Gaming News, Gaming News Canada. He's the editor, and we'll be talking about the explosion of numbers, total volume wagered, total revenues in Ontario, but also in Quebec, Alberta, and British Columbia. We'll get into all that with Steve McAllister in about 15 minutes' time. We will also be joined by John Festinger, to talk the good, the bad, and the ugly, and by our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. You can reach him at ken at pastimesports.ca. We'll talk about the Tom Brady Montreal Expos card, and we'll talk about Upper Deck Credentials that launches next week as the latest hot new collection. But first, we'll check out our podium
0: now with the top three sports business stories of the week. Here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at AlpineCredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to the sportmarket.biz.
1: Last quarter, iGaming Ontario reported total wagers of $17.2 billion dollars. Total gaming revenue 658 million. And that doesn't include 300 million by OLG directly. In British Columbia, 294 million net income. In Alberta, for the year, 4.4 billion total wagers in online gambling, and in Quebec, net revenue of $400 million, and that, of course, compares uh, well with BCLC's net e-gaming of $294 million. No question, a lot of dollars changed on a certain field goal in that game.
0: If he has to make one for us, the game on the line, he will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. Have surfaced again.
1: Jim Vance with the call, and that was a biggie on CBS Sports. And of course, Buffalo Bills Mafia fans tremendously disappointed. You could see the disappointment, you could see the letdown uh, for fans just for the love of the game and for betting fans. Either way, it was not what the doctor had ordered. Again, we'll get into these numbers with Steve McAllister of Gaming News Canada in about 12, 13 minutes time. In the silver medal position, though, it is generational television numbers on both sides of the border driven by the success of a border friend. The bills are out, but the Detroit Lions, just across the river from Windsor, Ontario, They're hot, and they're on fire, and led by a pretty special coach in Dan Campbell.
2: But I'm I'm telling you, honestly, I'm doing this because it actually does help you with injury. If we do it the right way, And we're not going to do it every day. But I got a plan, I swear to you. All I think about is you guys. That's all I think about, man. That's all I
3: think about is you guys and how I set you up for the best possible, the best possible advantage I can give you to have a season. I swear to you, man. I just
2: need you to trust me. That's all. Please. Let's be better tomorrow.
1: How can you not like that guy? Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions. They're up against Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, and the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC final. It's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs who took out the Buffalo Bills up against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. These television numbers, remarkable in the silver medal position, 50.4 million on CBS Sports South of the Border for Bill's Chiefs. That's an all-time record for a divisional game, and another 4 million here in Canada alone, which is... North of a Grey Cup audience, it shows you how younger fans are really populating the television space for NFL coverage here in Canada. Detroit Lions and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 40.4 million. That was the biggest NBC game in 30 years. Even the two smaller ones, 31.8 million Baltimore-Houston, that was the most watched NFL game ever on ESPN. And San Francisco-Green Bay that we thought was going to come in number three, and it did come in number three here in Canada, but also number three in the United States, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, 37.5 million average viewership. More On this with Steve McAllister and John Festinger later this hour. But in the gold medal position, our number one sport business story of the week, WWE, Goes big with Netflix. It's a $5 billion deal. It's Netflix's first formal foray into live sports, but trust me, it will not be the only one, especially with advocacy from Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor, uh, overseeing WWE, and Dwayne Johnson, who's now on the TKO board of directors, talking how much this deal is such a great opportunity.
3: That's right, Jim. It's a it's a great opportunity for these players. I always like to say, as you guys know, there's 53 men in an NFL roster. I was always number 54. DJ, you're good, but if you had a little bit more time and experience, you might make it, but this is where your dream ends. Well, then in comes the XFL, in comes the USFL, then we wind up merging to make the UFL, creating these opportunities for these players. And you know what's interesting? What we have found, Nari knows this as he's come to these games, you find that these guys, when they lace up their... Uh, they lace up their cleats, put the helmet on, they put their hands in the dirt. They're, the, the reason why they play and the reason why they leave it all on a field just becomes a different thing. They may not be making the $40, $50, 100000000 million deals, but like you said, they're playing, they're playing for their families, they're playing to eat, and it's a different kind of hunger.
1: That is the rock Dwayne Johnson, him making news as well as part of this deal, and he does so as a board member of TKO. Uh, Couldn't resist the plug for the UFL. Of course, that's the USFL-XFL amalgamation. Those are the top three sport business stories of the week. The explosion of online gaming, especially in Ontario. Ontario the television numbers that are generational for the National Football League, and then the future of streaming represented by this blockbuster deal between WWE and Netflix. And trust me, it won't be the last one for Netflix. Amazon will be wanting to one-up this most recent deal. Watch for that in the coming weeks. Also, take a look at our Bulls and Bears.
0: It's time for the Bulls and Bears of sports business. Winners and losers in the business of sports, the fast rising stocks, and the ones who fall in.
1: We're bullish on NFL television. We're bullish on the concept of Scotiabank hockey night in Canada. We're bearish on a bad week for governing bodies. In Canada, and we're talking about Canada soccer really tough news for them. Alison Walker, I thought, was a terrific candidate to be the new general secretary of Canada soccer. She resigns from that post before officially reporting uh, due to personal reasons, due to health reasons, uh, and again, a real disappointment. She had background in media, background with the Canadian Olympic Committee background of Maple Leaf sports and entertainment. And I think she really could have uh, played a very strong role bridging the soccer operations, the technical side of Canada soccer with the business side that is currently held by Canadian soccer business and sort of navigating that relationship and making it a more synergistic, organically positive relationship for all parties involved. Canada soccer business also having a bit of a tough week, uh, doing litigation against MediaPro. Now, this is a two-way lawsuit. It's a he said, she said kind of thing. And it's to the tune of $50 million plus in terms of the lawsuit uh, between Canada Soccer Business and MediaPro, the Barcelona-based Uh, a European-based broadcast rights holder. Uh, That will be a tough one. Litigation is never a good news story. It tends to create a bear market. Uh, We'll see what happens here. And, of course, Hockey Canada bracing for a tough few weeks on the investigation into conduct at the 2018 IIHF World Juniors at a fundraising banquet for the team and the program in London, Ontario. That's going to be a real tough one. It's just, first of all, it's a hard issue to talk about. And secondly, it will be a problem not just for Hockey Canada, but for all stakeholders in the game from coast to coast. On the positive side, though, we're going to get into... What makes the NFL so strong on both sides of the border? We mentioned 4 million for Bill's Chiefs, average national audience. That's north of the last couple of Grey Cups. Certainly, it is a big deal in the United States where 50.4 million Americans watched Bill's Chiefs. It's also a big deal because the average... National audience for the divisional round was 40 million. That's a record. And that comes off of 30 million for the wildcard round, which is also a record, which means we're angling for a record Super Bowl audience in two weeks. We'll break that all down with Steve McAllister of Gaming News Canada next.
0: You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonett. Hey. They asked for it, yeah, and they got what they asked for. <laughs> hey, but he said it. This sh- ain't done. No, we not, come back next uh, week ready to f- go. And turn it up or notch. Chiefs on three, one, two, three.
1: <laughs> Patrick Mahomes Jr. has been in the National Football League six years. This it will be this weekend his sixth AFC championship final which is the kind of excellence that Steve McAllister of Gaming News Canada brings to the sport market every chance we get to have him. And Steve, uh, Patrick Mahomes, there'll be a lot of parlay bets around him, around Travis Kelsey, around Taylor Swift, Um, and certainly if uh, we live in a just society around Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens who go into the weekend with the best record overall so far this year. But quite the weekend for the NFL and its fans, isn't it?
2: It really is, Tom. I mean, you you can't beat uh, a Ravens-Kansas City matchup in the AFC Championship game for all the reasons you just outlined. And I think the Detroit Lions, that the NFC Championship game and the Detroit Lions being back in the title game, that's, that's a fantastic story as well.
1: How disappointing, how palpable was the disappointment of Bill's Mafia last week with yet another wide right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough, Tom. And I think in fairness, though, if you're playing Patrick Mahomes in AFC Championship games, it's, that's going to be a tough, uh, a tough hill to climb. And again, I, I would look at it. I know Bills fans are devastated, but I would look at it. The Bills have got you know gotten a long way in the playoffs in recent years, and unfortunately, they just run into uh, run into one of the best teams of this era in those uh, in those games. And here in Ontario it's obviously tough for betters because we know that there are a lot of people put money on the Bills.
1: We're talking to Steve McAllister of Gaming News Canada, former sports editor of the Globe and Mail, former managing editor, Yahoo Sports Canada. Uh, Steve, how hot is NFL football, especially in Ontario, when it comes to the sports betting side of things?
2: Yeah, it's huge, Tom, and obviously has an impact right now. We saw in Ontario the the 49 private operators for the uh, October to end of December quarter uh, record numbers in terms of total wagers and, and uh, gross gaming revenue, and we see uh, from the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corp, their top, top game, the Bills are often front and, front and center, and obviously now with the Lions in the playoffs, they're a popular bet with people in southern Ontario as well, but the NFL certainly drives the ship when it comes to those sports betting numbers.
1: Uh, The numbers are incredible in Ontario. Of course, uh, no slouch numbers in Alberta, Quebec and British Columbia as well. BCLC reporting last year net e-gaming income of $294 million. Lotto Quebec reporting uh, net uh, revenue of $400 million. And uh, Alberta... Uh, basically totaling everything together, reporting $4.4 billion in online gambling. Now, the leadership position of Ontario, my take is it's not just population and concentration of capital, but it's also the fact that it's the only Canadian market where you have the Toronto Raptors. It's the only Canadian market where you have the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Those additional advantages certainly uh, contribute to the numbers in Ontario, don't they?
2: They do, Tom. And don't forget, also, you've got the, the Maple Leafs and then the Ottawa Senators down, down the 401 as well. And, and then the other factor in Ontario is that uh, it's the online casino and online slots and uh, online poker. They, they've driven a lot of those big numbers in Ontario. In fact, in the last quarter, 80, 80% of those total wagers in Ontario, $17 billion, uh, came from online, the online casino side of the uh, gambling industry.
1: Uh, you mentioned forty-nine operators, seventy-two websites. Uh, how would you rate what has happened in Ontario with the open market approach, which, of course, differs from the approach taken in the other provinces, at least so far?
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways of looking at it. Tom. I mean, obviously, uh, it's you know resulted in half a half a billion dollars of tax revenue for the Ontario government, and I believe for the Doug Ford government, it's been of a missed opportunity to not. Uh, to not brag about that, and, and maybe steer that money towards some programs, whether it be mental health programs or healthcare, education, and uh, you know we we do see different studies that show that there maybe is a rise with people calling problem gambling hotlines and that. So, um, but I think on the other, it also shows Tom that having regulated gambling markets, OLG their business hasn't been hasn't been impacted by the presence of these 49 operators. In fact. In their 2022-23 annual report, their internet gaming numbers were up uh, double digits year over year, I believe about 21%. So that's why you see lobbying going on in different parts of the country, certainly in your neck of the woods in B.C., Alberta, happening in Quebec as well, where these private operators in Ontario, many of them are lobbying to to also uh, move to other jurisdictions across the country.
1: Uh, you got $1.7 billion, uh in this uh, l- last quarter, but that will only go to the next level with the rest of the NFL playoffs, with the Super Bowl, with March Madness. Uh, what is it about NFL football in, in particular that is driving these strong betting numbers, uh, you know, which correlate? Not coincidentally, with really strong television numbers, does it boil down simply to how social NFL football is on any given Sunday, and then in the playoffs?
2: I think that's part of it, Tom. I also think, and that's something you've talked about on the sports market forever and ever, is that appointment television. So people know that there are going to be games every Sunday, so they can place their bets on Saturday if they're if they're putting money down on the, on the money line or the over under. And then the other thing that's become a big, uh, a big nut with the, with the sports betting industry is these live in-game bettings and, and player props. And, uh, and again, we'll see that in the Super Bowl with novelty bets like the color of the Gatorade that gets poured on the winning coach and, and uh, who wins the coin flip and how long the national anthem takes. So I, I just think it's all those pieces. But certainly if you talk to people in the sports betting industry, they'll tell you that in-play betting has been huge in, in driving those numbers even further.
1: We're talking to Steve McAllister of Gaming News Canada, just for another couple of minutes here on the Sport Market, on the Sportsnet radio network. Uh, Not only is NFL strong on Proline, but NHL, very popular bet uh, in in Southern Ontario. uh, In particular, the Toronto Maple Leafs probably lead all of the wagering on uh, Proline. How much of an impact do you think, just the parity this year in the NHL, the fact that there's no clear Stanley Cup favorite, but a lot of markets... Maybe a dozen of them consider themselves as contenders. How much is that contributing to the buzz and to people wanting to get involved by betting?
2: Yeah, I think a lot, Tom. And again, I will mention that NHL kind of takes still takes a backseat to, to the NFL and and the NBA. But I think when you have those good stories uh, uh, you know the, the the Maple Leafs, despite the trials and tribulations, the up and down season they're having, uh, you still have one of the best players in the league, and Austin Matthews, and that's certainly going to be—he's going to be a popular guy among uh, among betters. The Leafs themselves, people will always bet on the Leafs whether they're betting on them to win or lose. And then you look around the league, you look at the season that the Vancouver Canucks are having, and and I'm sure there's money being bet on Quinn Hughes and uh, Elias Pettersson. And, uh, of course, with what's going on in Edmonton now, especially with their recent hot streak, and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel having to believe that they've already been – you know, again, hot commodities of betters around that. Those in-play bettings are, are going over a certain number of shots in the game or, or power play points. Uh, so I think the, when you have that, those superstars in Canadian markets, uh, that's also going to move the needle as well.
1: 20 seconds or less, what are the big headlines? What should we be watching for over the next couple of months when it comes to sports betting in Canada and sports betting overall?
2: Yeah, I think keep an eye on the Super Bowl, Tom. And again, for people that haven't done a lot of sports betting, um, just kind of see, have some fun with the novelty bets. And again, I, I liken it to going to a movie theater. Don't, don't don't bet beyond your means, but, you know, place a couple of dollars maybe on the length of the National Anthem, bet, bet a couple of bucks on the coin flip and have some fun with it. And then I'm anxious to see again now that this market and Ontario is almost two years old, see what kind of influence Marsh Madness has on it.
1: Steve, as always, so appreciate those perspectives. You have a terrific hockey weekend, a terrific NFL football weekend.
2: You too, Tom. Always my pleasure.
1: He is Steve McAllister of Gaming News Canada, regular contributor to the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Next up, it's our collectibles guru, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. We'll talk to him about Tom Brady as a Montreal Expo. We'll talk Caitlin Clark, and we'll talk about Upper Deck Credentials that launches next week. That's all coming your way right here on the Sport Market and the Sport Market Radio Network.
0: The Sport Market, rating and debating the Bulls and Bears of sports business.
4: Their defense did a good job with playing soft, you know, keeping everything in front of them, um, sort of taking away our shots and stuff. And um, as a quarterback, man, you got to be efficient and and hit the check downs. And so at the end, I was able to do that. Um, O-line did a great job. The boys did a great job in getting open, and we found a way.
1: Brock Purdy who is far from Mr. Relevant on this NFL Conference Championship weekend. He and his heritage brand, San Francisco 49ers, hosting Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, and the Detroit Lions. And from a sentimental point of view, I think a lot of people will be cheering for the Detroit Lions, wanting to see them roar against the 49ers. But if it is the 49ers, there's a lot of fans in Canada and the United States right across the continent, given that franchise's uh, five Super Bowl championships, the dynasty years, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice. Uh, there's a lot there. And they find themselves pitted against one another while Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson host Patrick Mahomes Jr. and the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC championship final. We're going to check out some hot stuff.
0: Hot stuff. What's hot in jerseys, merchandising, and licensing on the sport market.
1: Hottest-selling jerseys in the National Hockey League despite being injured, despite being out of action a month now and uh, probably losing about eight weeks in total when all is said and done, is Connor Bedard, number 98 for the Chicago Blackhawks. It just shows you how much buzz there is around him that he can be out of action for this long and still be number one in NHL jersey sales. Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils uh, in, in second place going in. Brad Marshaw of the Boston Bruins continues to just be Brad Marshaw and I still maintain he's uh, 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 underrated well certainly he gets his share of jersey sales also representing the Bruins in the top 10, David Pasternak you've got Quinn Hughes um, and Elias Pettersson of the Vancouver Canucks making their mark, Austin Matthews and William Nylander of the Toronto Maple Leafs making their mark and of course uh, also Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, those are the hottest selling jerseys in the National Hockey League uh, heading in to the all-star break. Ken Richardson is our collectibles guru. He joins us from Pastime Sports and Games. Of course, you can reach him at ken at pastimesports.ca. Ken is going to touch upon a series of things making news in the collectibles side of the business of sport, and it's an increasingly big part of that business of sport, Uh, uh, certainly uh, the heritage brand, we've talked about the power of a franchise like the San Francisco 49ers, uh, but there's also the power of the underdog, isn't there? When it comes to sign memorabilia, apparel, sales, trading cards, uh, how do you think the Detroit Lions are doing given their run to the NFC Championship Final?
4: Uh, I think they're going to do very, very well. Uh, you know, obviously it'll be one thing... In the Bay Area and everyone there will definitely be rooting for the 49ers. But outside of the Bay Area, you know, you've got the, whether it's the Chicago Cubs or in this case, the Detroit Lions, uh, you know, it's hopefully it's their turn to shine and uh, they can get a W and go to the big game.
1: We just finished talking about uh, Connor Bedard of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, he'll probably miss a total of eight weeks, which will certainly take a dent out of his sales. Uh, but he has been hot stuff when it comes to apparel and the anticipation around uh, his uh, rookie trading card in the up, up, upcoming Upper Deck uh, series two, and the way they're working Connor Bedard into um, uh, in, into OPC and credentials uh, over these past. In the next couple of weeks, uh, there'll be plenty of opportunities for fans to connect with Connor Bedard trading cards.
4: Yeah, the uh, the Opeachy from 23, is you know, Opeachy a heritage brand all on its own. You know, as a young kid, most of us guys, you know, we remember going to the corner store and buying that first pack or one of many uh, with a stick of gum in it. And it was, you know, we all collected Opeachy. And uh, it'll be great to get the Bedard in that. And the first week of uh, March, it'll be the launch of Upper Deck Series 2 and that first chance to get the Connor Bedard Young Gun rookie card. And that's definitely uh, the most anticipated card in over a decade.
1: You uh, got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Upper Deck realizes it's in the entertainment business. It's in the fan engagement business. And they've certainly planted a lot of Easter eggs over these months. Yes, the official rookie card was delayed until, uh, you know, March uh, uh, coming up. But the Easter eggs and the opportunities for other Conor Bedard's cars, uh, they've been plentiful and they've created quite a quite a stir, haven't they?
4: Absolutely. When they when they mention an Easter egg, what what that is is it's a card that uh, is an unpublished insert or special card that's inserted randomly into the packs, and nobody anticipated a Conor Bedard draft a card to be in Series One Upper Deck this year, and it was randomly inserted, and it just it just blew up the product, and it was definitely the most sought after card uh, in the last three, four months.
1: We're talking to Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games, a co-host of Pastime Radio, the collectible show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Ken, we talked about it last week, but it continues to get talked about just given all of the attention on the star quarterbacks in the National Football League, uh, people remarking, of course, that uh, not very many uh, uh, winters have have not featured Peyton Manning uh, or Tom Brady uh, in the quarterback chair find themselves a new generation of quarterbacks making their mark but uh, what do you make of all the attention that the Tom Brady what if Montreal Expos card uh, uh, the Bowman Refractor uh, the the kind of uh, attention it's generated over this past month
4: well for Fanatics to be able to put out a card that's brand new to market and less than a month Into it, and that kind of card is able to generate a sale of 158,000 USD is is truly quite quite remarkable, and the amount of media buzz and storytelling around that card from the commercial they did, or just simply uh, news stories being done on the card, has been really really positive for the hobby uh, in in its entirety. Um, with so many more eyes, so many more ears, and uh, that that's nothing but a positive for the hobby in general.
1: As always, Ken, we so appreciate you taking time uh, out to be with us on the sport market. Look forward to teaming up with you and co-hosting Pastime Radio, the collectible show, later this weekend. Uh, in, enjoy, and we'll talk real soon.
4: Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me, and I look forward to the show.
1: He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. He's our collectibles guru, our trading card expert. Uh, You can reach him at ken at pastimesports.ca. I'll I'll tell you, the Tom Brady Montreal Expos card, uh, one of the real treats for me. Now, it brought back... Some sadness and and sense of loss of the fact that the Montreal Expos are are no more, and that's been the case for uh, you know almost uh, uh, 20 years now. But the reality is, the Expos were the first team that I ever really bonded with, and went to a a, a it's my first ever professional sport event Uh, Jerry Park back in the day in the early expansion years of those Montreal Expos where they set uh, uh, 20 game losing streak records Uh, but you know between that and the Montreal Canadiens that really shaped my connection to uh, professional sport and 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 how teams could really make you want to connect with them in terms of trading cards, in terms of apparel, in terms of jerseys, uh, uh, caps, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and they say that the ages of 8 to 12, that's the key imprinting years. So whoever's your favorite athlete or your favorite team between ages 8 and 12 tends to remain as such for your entire lifetime. Next up, we break down why the NFL is setting generational television numbers, setting new records right across the board, and we mean right across the board. We'll get into that next right here on The Sport Market, where we're rating, debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network and The Sport Market Radio Network.
0: You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonette.
4: Oh, it's, it, you can tell that, uh, how close they really are, um, you know, they're, they're always, obviously when you're winning 50 in a row, you're going to be a little bit lighter in the dressing room and uh, a little bit uh, happier, but um, you can really see how close they are and, uh, and what it means to them and, and what each, each person means to each other. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a warm welcome for me and I'm just excited to really get down to the an nitty-gritty and,
1: and uh, play hockey, but uh, almost get to know everybody as well. Corey Perry, who's made his share of online social media news over the course of the past six to eight weeks, back in the National Hockey League with the Edmonton Oilers, making his debut today against the Nashville Predators as the Oilers go for their 16th consecutive victory. When you consider, they've got 30 consecutive points on the board basically over these last 15 games and that makes up a third of a pretty good uh, NHL season. It just shows you what they've done to turn around a horrific start into now one of the more impressive stories and I tend to be against mid-season coaching changes. I just think they don't work out twice as many times as they work out but how can you deny, how can you suggest that Chris Knobloch, new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, hasn't had an impact along with Paul Coffey as well. Give credit where credits due. their defensive system, a lot more structure uh, and a lot more empowerment uh, under uh, the uh, coaching of uh, Paul Coffey and of course, head coach Chris Knobloch. All situation for us to be approaching the NHL all-star game with four teams in playoff position for Canadian teams in playoff position. And it's a, a great chance to sort of check in on the group of seven or seven Canadian based franchises. Uh, we try and do that every week here on the sport market. Uh, the, um, also, Rands are the Ottawa Senators. They're eighteen 24, and two. They've got just thirty-eight points. They're well out. They're done. They're already planning golfing for the spring. Montreal Canadiens are eight points out with forty-six points. Uh, they're on the borderline of sinking into irrelevance and being sellers at the deadline. Uh, the wild card is the Calgary Flames. They're the um, uh, they're they're six points out which you can't sneeze at. That's still an opportunity. They're still close enough to be talked about. They certainly can't afford to lose too many more games on this little rut. They've got 47 points. Toronto, 5-4-1 in their last 10, despite winning two in a row, is in the number one wildcard position in the Eastern Conference. They're 24, 14, and 8 on 56 points. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers are right with them, though, tied for that um, uh, wildcard position. Edmonton Oilers have moved to 57 points, 28, 15, and 1. And check this out. They're 10th best record in the entire National Hockey League now. They've gone from, like, 30, 31st, with only the San Jose Sharks behind them, to 10th, best record and also check this out. They've got five games in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights. Just an unbelievable story. Winnipeg Jets have got the fourth best record in the entire National Hockey League, second best among the group of seven. They're 30, 11 and five. They've got 65 points and the continuing Surprise of the Vancouver Canucks, number one in the Pacific, number one in the Western Conference, number one in the NHL, 32-11-5. They got 69 points, 8-0-2 in their last 10. Uh, That makes for a lot of scoreboard watching among Canadian fans and a lot of buzz approaching the Rodgers All-Star Weekend in Toronto. We've identified as our silver medal story this week, gold medal story the past couple of weeks, the National Football League as the television juggernaut. And of course, uh, the numbers speak for themselves. Wild Card Weekend set records. Those six games averaged 30 million average national audience South of the border uh, tipped into 1 million territory in Canada. Divisional round, the best ever. Those four games averaged 40 million U.S. average national audience, 50.4 million for the Buffalo Bills against the Chiefs on CBS Sports, another 4 million here in Canada, which essentially is just north of what uh, an average Grey Cup has hauled uh, in terms of TV viewership average national audience in these past few years that really puts it into perspective an NFL divisional game now eclipsing uh, a gray cup remember 2010 was the first year super bowl eclipsed the Grey Cup in terms of domestic television ratings, and the Super Bowl is firmly now in in first place. Now some of these conference championships and divisionals are competing with Grey Cup for Grey size numbers. This Bills-Chiefs game was the first to pass 50 million in in, in a divisional round in NFL history. 50.4 million, a peak that 59 million. But that's not where it ends. Detroit, Tampa Bay, 40.4 million. NBC's most watched game in 30 years. Uh, ESPN's San Francisco Green Bay coverage, 37.5 million viewers uh, on on Fox Sports. uh, Sorry, on Fox Sports. That was the most watched Saturday broadcast since the 1994 Lillehammer Winter Olympics. I mean, just unbelievable. It peaked at 40.9 million. And then you've got, The Baltimore Ravens against the Houston Texans. That was on ESPN. The most watched NFL game ever on ESPN with an average national American audience of 31.8 million, uh, about 2 million in Canada. I mean, those are generational television numbers. And I've said it a lot on this show it's because of the way the NFL packages its TV destination television in general at the macro level the NFL is so smart because it has such a compressed regular season 5 months long and it's all it's so predictable it begins the first Thursday after Labor Day weekend it runs through American Thanksgiving, that's a countdown to the playoff runs, and then it goes into the playoffs in January, setting the stage for that first Sunday, uh, second Sunday in February Super Bowl. So from a macro point of view, they're just so structured in a way that it really is easy for fans to take advantage. In terms of the micro, each week it's destination television. Most of the games are on Sunday. Then you've got your Sunday night football, destination television, Monday night football, destination television, now Thursday night football, destination television. That is the strategy that is now transitioning into culture, football culture. And it's incredible that these numbers are happening because some people suggested that the NFL was in decline as recently as 2016. Here's Greg Bishop from earlier this week on the sport market.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to answer your question, I feel two different ways about it. Like, part of me says um, it was definitely overestimated, and that speaks, I think, to the power of professional football and its hold on North Part of me also says that all those stories should have had more of an impact. You know, like part of what I'm thinking is, why don't we care about these guys more? You know, I, th- I think I've had five NFL players tell me never to let my son play football. They hate the game or feel like they were mistreated. They're saying it because they know it's at a baseline level inherently dangerous. And um, I love football as much as anybody, but I feel, and we've talked about this a lot on here, very conflicted about glorifying a game that does what it does to people that play it. And so, on one hand, I think it's great that it's booming again. On another, I think it opens the door for the NFL to do what the NFL does, you know? We're going to see an 18th game in the season. We're going to see, you know, a ton more international games. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an international team before our lifetimes are over. And I just think growth is good and interest is good, and the season's been you know, kind of wild, you know, if not, like, a lot of really dominant performances. And, um, you know, I, th- I think that there's comes a point when there's too much of that, when it's too detrimental to people, you know, that are they're trying to get through 17 weeks of getting in car wrecks. And I don't know. I guess I'm still conflicted, which I guess is fitting for another one of these interviews. Ha! <laughs>
1: Greg Bishop of Sports Illustrated and SI.com. If you want to get the full Greg Bishop interview, and it's quite a compelling one, given what's going on at Sports Illustrated and SI.com, you can check in on our podcasts at sportsnet.ca slash 650. Just check out the sport market, and we'll have that up for you this weekend. And again, if you enjoy rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business as much as we do, you can follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at the sport market, T-H-E, sport market. And again, subscribe to, download our podcasts of each hour of the sport market to make sure that you haven't missed anything respecting the bulls and bears of sport business. On behalf of all of us here at the sport market, have a terrific weekend. The Sport Market on Sportsnet
0: 650 presents the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torbit Rolfson.
1: These Canucks tickets were going for $2,000 dollars pregame. I wonder how much they were after the first period. That sunset shot of Vancouver they showed just before face off when was that filmed? Did they send a crew out in July to load up on Vancouver Scenics, to show during broadcasts all winter? The Stanley Cup, the subway from Midtown Toronto to the city's downtown core Monday to promote the upcoming NHL All-Star weekend. Other 1960s artifacts making the trek on transit this week included an Apollo capsule, a Guess Who album and Tommy Chong. Speaking of music, I watched the Battle of Alberta from the Saddledome. Imagine trying to rally a team late in the period with a mid-tempo John Denver song, Country Roads." What's next, Dan Hill's Sometimes When We Touch? And story headlines after back-to-back fights right at
3: the opening face-off between the Coyotes and Panthers? Come on, dogs and cats not getting along is hardly news.
0: You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. a special feature of The Sport Market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.